This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. We're right in the middle of a series called Roots. We started last week. Um, you know, last week was one of those uh, kind of surprise weeks for me. We always meet and evaluate the, the services and kind of go through what can we do better, where can we grow. And uh, <laughs> last week was one of those times we sat down and we were like, you know, I, I, don't, I, think, I think that was one of the, the, the worst messages we've preached <laughs> in a long time. And, and then, and then a- after, after a day, I, I got like a bunch of emails from people. Like, that was so powerful. And, and it's one of those things that, like, I, I just want you to know that sometimes, like, what, what God is doing is just a complete and total shock to me, all right? Uh, we, we evaluate and try to get better, and, but all the time, God is using His Word. God is doing something that is really marvelous in our midst. And I, 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 I think that after last week, one of the things that I realized was that, that we, we desperately need to talk about what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Last week, we, we kind of kicked it off really by, by letting me, giving me an opportunity to teach a, a principle uh, that, that is very important. I mean, most of us uh, kind of uh, would say, I, I want my life to, to do so. I want my life to matter. I, I want to produce something. The Bible calls that, that production fruit, right, that our lives bear fruit, that we produce fruit. And in John 15, 15, uh, 15 5, Jesus said this, I'm the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus says, I, I'm the vine, you're, you're the branches, I, I'm the one that's plugged into the source, I'm, I'm the, the, the source of all of your strength, all of everything that you need to produce is going to come from me. If, if you can stay plugged into me, if you can stay connected to me, you can produce fruit. And I, I think that one of the things that we, we look at this and we go, well, well, if we're looking at the fruit that our lives are bearing, and, and I think that most of us would look at parts of our lives and go, man, I, f- I feel like it's just it's bearing great fruit there. Like, I feel like I'm working hard to have good, positive friendships. And, man, look, at there's some great fruit there. And I feel like I'm working hard at my job and trying to be a good employee, trying to be a good boss. And, man, there's look at the fruit that's there. But then we look at other places in our lives and we go, oh, not too happy with the fruit that's growing there. I'm not happy with where I'm at financially. I, I feel like there's some bad fruit in my life there, or maybe it's in my marriage, I feel like there's some bad fruit that's there. And see, the, the thing about the fruit is, if we understand that we're the branches, Jesus is the vine, Jesus is the root, Jesus grows the fruit, we just happen to be in between it, if there's bad fruit, it's not a fruit problem, it's a root problem. It's, it's not that we have a credit card issue. Y'all with me? 
It's that we have a material goods issue, that we're looking for satisfaction and we're looking for pleasure in the wrong place. Right? It's not that we have oftentimes, you know, need to be on a diet. No, it's we have a, a, a discipline issue. Can't say no to cookies, right? There's a root issue that lies beyond the fruit issue. You know, I, I heard a story, and I, I think that we all would say that we, in the eyes of the Lord, we want to produce good fruit, right? I, I want to produce sweet fruit, get fruit that, that is attractive, fruit that makes other people look at my life and go, wow. I heard this story this summer. There's a contest in a, in a small city that's right outside of Moscow every year. This is one of the most absurd things ever. They, they try to find the sweetest girl in the town every year, try to find the sweet. You know, we have that contest around here too, Miss Stanley County, right? Try to find the sweetest girl in our, in our county. But they do it a little different in Russia. They, the contest is to see in, in a period of time which girl can be bitten by mosquitoes the most. The winner last year collected over 300 mosquito bites in one day. You believe that? I don't, I don't want to be sweet like that. I don't want to attract that kind of attention. See, the thing is that if we're planted and rooted in the wrong stuff, we will produce the wrong fruit. And I'm going to show you today that all of the things that we could uh, assess that we've planted roots in that are outside of God's will. God wants us ultimately to plant our roots in him. I'm going to show you today that in the Bible, the Bible shows us there's only one other option to plant our roots in. And we see that in Hebrews 12. I want you to see this. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not See the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. Look at this. That no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, in, in that one, one little passage right there, the Bible tells us that we are to work at living in peace with everyone and then to work at living a holy life. I want you to see something, that when we're planted in Jesus, the, the, the root that grows into Jesus not only affects what happens on the outside, right, that we live in peace with everyone, but it also affects what happens on the inside of us, that we live and pursue a life of holiness. Being rooted in Jesus affects the life that we live behaviorally and the life that exists on the inside of us. And the writer of Hebrews gives us this caution, be, be, be careful that you live this way, because if you don't, you'll never see God. 
We know what's interesting about that word. We translate it in the English language to see. But the word can both mean to see and to be seen. To see and to be seen by. Be be careful to be rooted in Jesus because if you're not rooted in Jesus, you'll never see God. And the truth is, is that because you're not rooted in him, God won't be able to see you. God won't be able to direct your life. God won't be able to show you the path. God won't be able to help you when you're in trouble if you're not rooted in him. And then it says, be careful so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up. I I, I want you to see something about that. I'm going to go ahead and read the verses that come after that because we're going to get into some of this. (coughs) Beginning in verse 14, um, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. So now the writer's going back to a story out of Genesis, Jacob and Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when his wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Now, that story that's being referenced there is a, a, a story out of the Old Testament. Oftentimes when we think of Jacob and Esau, we think about that moment that J- Jacob w- was kind of the girly guy, right? He was the guy that stayed home and helped his mom. Esau was the hunter. He was hairy. <coughs> All right, so he, I mean, the Bible describes him as being hairy. And so Jacob dressed up like Esau, went in and tricked his dad into giving him a blessing that belonged to his brother. <coughs> now, here's the, the problem. That, that's not the, the story that this passage is referencing. The story is referencing a moment where Esau came in from hunting, very hungry. Jacob was at home cooking some stew. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. But I, I want you to see, at, 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 as the writer closes that little vignette down for us, he says that even though Esau begged his dad with tears, he never re- reclaimed, never recovered the stuff that he has lost. I, I want you to understand today that bitterness, a bitter root, always ends in brokenness. Bitterness always ends in brokenness. But I want you to see today where it starts. I want you to see where bitterness starts. Because today I want you, I want you to get this, that the, the comprehensive teaching in the Bible is going to show us that bitterness is where all sin starts. All sin starts with bitterness. So where does it start? Let me, let me show you a, a verse out of 2 Corinthians 11.3. I fear that somehow... Your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. When I was thinking about this this week, the thing is, is that 
I, I think sometimes when we prepare a message, we, we know like there's a lot of us that need it, right? When, when, you know, half of us maybe. This is one of those messages that I feel like most of us need it. So if you're the person in here that's going to go in just a few minutes, that's for my husband. No, it's probably for you. All right? If you're the person that's sitting here thinking, man, I wish my best friend was here so she could hear this, it's probably for you too. All right? Because I think that many of us have been deceived as we've seen bitter roots grow in our lives. You know what's interesting about that verse when the Apostle Paul was writing saying, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about you. I'm worried that your devotion to Christ is in jeopardy because you may have been deceived like Eve. And he references back to Adam and Eve. You know, the, the, the thing about Adam and Eve, the deception that the, the devil gave them in that moment, contained inside of it truth. It contained truth. God told Adam and Eve, do not eat from this tree. Don't eat from, you can eat from any other tree, but here is one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from it. And the temptation that the devil gave them was, if you eat from this tree, you will know the difference between good and evil. And you'll be like God. Wasn't that exactly what God said? If you eat from this tree, you'll know the difference between good and evil. But don't eat from it because it's not good for you. See, many of us have believed a lie. And that lie has contained within it perhaps in its deceptive quality, some elements of truth. And most of us have bought into it, and that lie is just as simple, that God has not done something for you that you think he should have. God hasn't done something that you think he should have done. God I mean, my kids are grown and they're still crazy. God, God, why? Why? Can't you just give them some sense, God? God, my husband won't do anything but play video games. He won't get off of his butt, won't help me around the house. God, why? God, my kids are always sick. Why can't you keep them healthy? God, why won't you take this desire away from me? This thing that I keep wrestling with that I know you don't want me to do. God, why? That's really where sin began. Sin began, we see this picture in Isaiah 14 where Lucifer, who we now know as the devil, is a created angel in heaven. And he rebels against the authority and nature of God. He wants to do it a different way. 
Nothing in the Bible says that at that point that the devil wanted to do, that Lucifer wanted to do anything that was evil. He just wanted to do it a different way. And so God banished him from heaven. You see, deception always starts with a little bit of truth. You know what? You deserve a good spouse that loves you. So since you don't have that, why don't you start looking to somebody else who might love you? You deserve to make more money at work. So since they're not going to pay you more, just work a little less. Give a little less effort. See, the first thing that bitter roots do is bitter roots deceive us. Bitter roots deceive us. And when our hearts begin to become rooted in bitterness, it will deceive you. And it's my prayer today that as many of us come face to face with that truth, that God will wake us up from that. Hebrews 12, 14 says, look after each other. This is what we just read. So that none of you fall, fails to receive the grace of God. So that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. How do we deal with the grace of God in the church? How do we deal with that? You realize that most often when it comes to dealing with grace, we kind of blow it? Because there's two sides of every truth that if we go to one extreme, we get it wrong. If we go to the other extreme, we get it wrong too. You see, with grace, sometimes we go to the side where we say God will be gracious if you behave all the rules. If you can get it right, God will forgive you of your past sins if you can get it right from here on out. Right? That's not at all what the Bible talks about. We, we would call that legalism. But then there's an opposite extreme that says you're, you're never going to get it right, so why even try? God gave you grace. Go do whatever you want to do. Like it's a license. Legalism and license. But Hebrews tells us we need to work because the grace of God is deeply connected to how we view God's work in our lives. How we view God's grace is deeply, it, it's, it's the exact, it has multiple applications where we think that sometimes, let's, let's just use money as an example. We, we can go to one side of the extreme where there are groups of, of Christians that feel like that being in, in poverty is, is a statement of our spirituality. Because you can't be rich and be a Christian, right? And then there's another side that views the presence of money as a, an indicator of God's blessing. Neither one of those are accurate. We have to work hard to receive the grace of God. We have to work to receive the grace of God and then Watch out so that no bitter root grows. That's where 12.15 in Hebrews comes to say this. Watch out 
that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, this is actually a passage of Scripture. It's not just talking to me and you, like personally. This is talking to a corporate group of people, to a, a group, let's just say a church or a small group or a group of friends or family. Watch out so that this poisonous root of bitterness never grows up, so that it will corrupt many. You know what that word corrupt in the Greek text means? It means to stain. Bitterness. Looking at God and saying, God, (coughs) my life should be different than it is. And it's only this way because you haven't done something. That perspective will stain our hearts. How many of y'all have been around a bitter person before? It stains, doesn't it? It's like that, that old, gro- y'all got a, a rug in your house somewhere if you got carpet that's covering an ugly stain, right? Because you can't get it out. Get the carpet cleaners to come in. You can't, th- that stain is there. But you know what's interesting? As the Bible describes the work of Jesus, sin stains us, but in 1 John 1-7, the Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus cleanses us. That the work of God is, is designed to remove the stain of sin. So I want you to see, number two, what bitter roots will do. Bitter roots will, will start out of deception, but then bitter roots will defile us. They will defile us. They will take that which was clean and pure and good and tarnish it. They will take our innocent love for God, that innocent childlike faith and stain it. It will defile us. So let's go back to Jacob and Esau. Let's go back. Genesis 25, 34 records the end of this story. Look at this. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Just so you understand what's going on. In those days, if you took an estate that was going to be shared upon the, the father's passing, it would be divided into the number of sons plus one. So if there were two sons, the estate would be divided into thirds. The older son would get the birthright, which is that extra portion. And in this moment, because he was hungry, Esau traded his birthright for a cup of stew. See, when we're bitter and we feel like God should have provided something for us that we don't have in our hands yet, 
that God hasn't done yet, we will trade the life that he wants us to inevitably have for what we want in a moment. Because bitterness will defile us. You know what I think is interesting? It's that as the writer of Genesis tells that story, the Bible says that Jacob gave and Esau ate. That language is used in another place. I want you to see that. Genesis 3, verse 6. So speaking of Eve, after the temptation, if you eat from this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. Then she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. See, some of us have been bearing poisonous fruit in our lives. And it's simply because the roots have always been planted in bitterness. And I want you to see today that there's a different way to live. The root of all sin is looking at God and saying, God, you should have done something different. You should have given me a different wife, God. That's why I'm looking elsewhere. God, you should have given me more money. That's why I'm cheating on my taxes. God, you shouldn't have put me in this situation. So that's why I'm going to lie right now. The root of all sin starts there. That's where... Esau was when he walked in. Upset that he was hungry. How many of us will do that? See, we get upset in our appetites like Esau where we say, God, you should have given me something different. But we get often bitter in the context of God's sovereignty too. And we look at God and say, how could you let this happen to me? How can you be God if I'm walking through this? How can you be good if that ever happened. I mean, the truth is, is that for me, that's not a question that's far from my life. Just to be vulnerable for a moment with you guys. When I was two years old, my parents found out that at that point in time, I was deaf. I had a, a, a disease that had attacked my inner ears. They took me in through a series of 10 surgeries from the time that I was 2 until the time that I was 12. My hearing and my eardrums were repaired. But 10 days 
after that surgery, I was burned over 35% of my body in a gasoline explosion. I spent half of sixth grade at home, out of school. And I don't know if you had great middle school years, but being the kid who showed up at a new school, having been burned, didn't set the platform for a good few years of middle school. There were a lot of times that I looked at God and just said, how can you be good or real if all of that happened? How? But if you look at the story that God has written through my life up until now, There's no way that I get to this moment without that stuff having happened. There's no way. And at times, I think we get confused about the gifts that God wants to give us, and we think that God wants to make us comfortable. We think that. But what really God wants to do is God wants to grow us and change us and mold us and shape us and use us for His glory. And if we take our eyes off of that, we'll look at God and say, God, you should have done something different. Let's look at Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. This is God speaking. I am making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, no woman, no family or tribe will turn away from the Lord our God, to worship these gods, these other things, and so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. See, the thing about bitter roots is bitter roots are eventually going to grow up to bear poisonous fruit. And when we live a life that looks into the heart of God and says, God, you should have done something different. You should have treated me different. God, my life should be different now. I should have married a different man. I should be a different kind of parent. My kids, God, they should be different than they are. When we live that way, we're going to get to where Naomi was in Ruth chapter 1. Naomi, who has experienced a a, a massive amount, as the story of Ruth opens, has experienced a, a lot of loss, says to those that are with her, don't call me Naomi, instead call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. The word Mara means depressed. And I want you to know today that bitter roots will leave you depressed. That if you leave and, and live a life of bitterness, it is going to leave you depressed and broken. So imagine with me today. Uh, imagine if you 
it, with, with all the stuff that's happened to you, all the difficult moments, all the, the trials, all of that. If, imagine if you could look into the heart of God today and you could say, God, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done living that way. God, I trust you. I'm tired of, of trying to do things my own way. God, I, I trust you today. I'm tired of telling you that you should have done something else. God, whatever you want to do in my life, for me, through me, however you want to use me, God, I'm yours. Imagine if we could look at God's heart and say that today. Imagine in light of everything that you're carrying that hurts you, the stuff from your past that you wish wasn't there, the places that you struggle inside. Imagine if you could look in the heart of God today and say, God, I know you're doing something through it. I trust you to do it. Imagine if that bitter root could be uplifted, rewritten, and your life be planted in Jesus. Let's pray. God, today, would you help us to recognize that for many of us, there's a ton of bitterness that's crept into our lives. and God, we, we do not need to live life with a bitter root. And so today, God, we look to you, we look into your heart, and we ask you to, by the grace and mercy that you have for us, God, would you please come today and heal our hearts. Rip up those bitter roots and allow us to plant our roots in you. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask you a question today. The only way you can escape bitterness and the long-term consequences of living a life that is fueled and rooted in bitterness, the only way you can do that is by choosing to accept a life that is founded and fueled by Jesus. That's it. That's the only alternative for you. So if you're here today and you say, that's me. That's me. That's what I want. I want to, I've been living bitter. I've been asking all those questions. I've been, and all of that stuff that we talked about has been happening in my life. I need it to change. I need to turn to Jesus today. Raise your hand if that's you. Awesome. If you're here and you just say, there's some stuff that's happened to me and I'm struggling with being bitter with it. Raise your hand if that's you awesome. God, today, for those of us that need to be uprooted, God, please come for your glory and root us into your son, Jesus. God, that we can, for your glory and for your renown, bear the fruit that you want us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.